Welcome to the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. Get ready to go behind the scenes with Amanda Flaker and listen in on private conversations she's had with powerful creators who are building the new world, as well as her thoughts on the Abundance Matrix. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. I'm coming to you live from a park near my house. I felt the need to be in nature around trees and there's going to be background noise. I brought my portable mic with me, but it's not like the greatest mic and there's kids swinging. You might hear like the squeaky swing, <laughs> cars drive by, birds chirping. I'm hoping it'll have an ASMR effect. Um, but today I wanted to dive a little deeper into the digital medicine series. For those of you following along, I've been talking about and tuning into specifically the solar plexus around empath entrepreneurs that are online specifically and using online. Although I think these, these tips are good for anyone. I just think if you're using your gifts online, it's 10 times, maybe even a hundred times more potent and things can escalate very quickly. So you can learn quickly, very quickly, but when things get intense or when our vulnerabilities are really pushed on our fault lines, we can become extremely vulnerable, especially in our bodies, because a lot of empaths carry and feel and process so much in their bodies. And so one thing that I've noticed, this consistent theme that I've noticed with empaths, I've talked about this before, is a lot of empaths end up having or developing autoimmune disorders. And I think there is something deeply, 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 deeply psychological about this. And I've been looking at it actually for quite a while. And it it hasn't been until I myself started within this last year having a lot of solar plexus, like digestive issues. Um, I like have an, I got, I developed an intolerance to lots of different foods. I could barely just, I just had no interest in most foods and my stomach just felt weird and I just felt off. And so many things started feeling really off in my reality. So as I was on the, the journey of healing this, I've had to, of course, look at the multitude of layers that this involves because there was the physical piece, which I, I, as soon as I took gluten and a few things out of my diet, I instantly started feeling better physically, but I knew it wasn't what actually caused it. And so when I got deeper into what caused it, aside from the fact that the last few years for everyone has been hugely shifting and transformative, um, and in many different directions, just depending on our personal stories. But it has been massively, massively, massively anomalous. There has been so much shifting on the planet unlike we've ever seen. And there's not a lot of, I want to say mainstream dialogue about the, la- the, the richer layers about what's going on in our human cycle as a whole. The arc of our human story. You guys have heard me talk about the arc of the story it's something that Rachel Jensen brought through in one of our conversations that we recorded and arc technology specifically, the, the human tech and the arc of our story, humanity's story, our cycle of, and we go through cycles of disempowerment and empowerment and sovereignty and then a renaissance. And then we go through dark ages again. These are cycles and we haven't seen in our recorded history time in like 2000, you know, this year that we're in this, this or millennia that we're in, I guess, in our recorded history, we do not have anything comparable to what we are experiencing right now. And we haven't seen the arc of our story. We haven't seen the empowered human. We have, the story has been told, it's being told, but it's happened and has been happening on a micro level, like, like a seed that has been planted and has been germinating and has finally like roots have gone down deep enough and its strength has grown enough that it's coming through the soil. And then as it's come through the soil, it has to be cultivated. And this is the, the, the realm of the mind. 
And I've been thinking a lot about how much, for me personally, as I've examined, like, what is going on? How much psychic energy in the last two, three years that I have made for, like, a massive part of the story that I, that I didn't quite see before. And it's like these, there's been so many profound shifts, and I know with other mystics that are friends of mine or colleagues of mine, or even just clients that I work with or people that I read their stories online or share their stories. Like it seems like it's like we're underestimating what we've gone through recently and how profound it is and how much wisdom is going to be. We're going to see popping up everywhere, especially from the people who've been the most silent because there's the people that when a, when we're in crisis, and especially people that are good at really focusing on the here and now, and the absolute most like um, relevant reality to the moment, there's a lot of those type of people have had to be highly on board or highly on call, I want to say, energetically the last few years. And people who, who gestate, I would say the mystic, has had to take actually more of a back seat to pull back in ways that we would normally reach forward and try to fix and save and, you know, have this identity around being the savior or the healer or the hero. We've had to really sit back because we're in a deep time of integrating the thematic truths, the codes that humanity is integrating as it goes through the arc of its story and and we're all experiencing different parts of that story because even though we all might all of us listening to this right now might be on the planet at the same time at least at some point when you're listening to this but we're all depending on where our consciousness is depending on where our experiences have been depending on what our um, programming has been all of it, we are all having completely different experiences of this, these events that have unfolded in the last several years. And the war energy, which has been the energy, the code that's been the dominant code in the ley lines, the dominant code in the, the multidimensional internet, it has been, we have been transmuting for years and years and years, the energy of war. And so it makes sense that on the trigger of a massive fault line across the globe, the energy of war was triggered. The, the actual fault line and the actual original wounds, like the ancestors themselves and the spirits of this planet and the the story itself that has never been witnessed they, it shook that's how real it is right now it shook and i i've said it before but i keep thinking of the verse in i think it's in either psalms i think it is psalms in the bible that talks about in the end times like even the rocks will cry out and i there's something about that, like the, the kind of truth, the kind of just raw power that comes about when the human soul gets shook. When we get shook, there's something that allows us time to, it interrupts the psychic patterns that we've been in, that have put us in a trance in a certain reality we always break out of these trances because it's our nature to evolve and innovate and expand so we will break out it is our nature to urge for more and to urge out of any cage we've been in so that is in our arc it is happening it has happened we have sparked a renaissance humanity is more awake than ever and if you can't tell tune in to the silence tune into the people who haven't said anything that you know have been witnessing and observing the wise ones who wait 
before they take action, to get all the data before they make an assumption, to sit back a little before moving forward. And to be able to even do that, to be able to even disrupt the psychic patterns of lack, we have to have an urge to do so. We have to, it's almost something that moves us beyond what our programming is telling us to do. Those are the, that's the energy, the life pulse, the for, the life force that comes from creative energy itself, from humanity's desire to expand and create and be aware and evolve. And not just humanities, I think all of life. So this, this bigger picture and this bigger code that we've been integrating is intimacy with life. I've talked about this a lot. Moving from this vertical hierarchy, elitism, but that's based on sacrifice and war, to, to release that system, that, that program, those beliefs, and begin to actually value and prioritize intimacy because the anomaly to war is intimacy the anomaly to war is creation and that's something that has to be it has to be that's the brilliant part of this code the code of astronomical abundance is that it's encoded just like a tree a tiny little seed is encoded to produce massive amounts of fruit And what it yields depends on the cycle it's in and it changes all the time according to the the psychic winds of change, the deep internal stirrings of the earth, our collective urge to move. And I have been fascinated about tuning into like the heart of humanity and something that spirit has shown me over and over as I've been healing this misalignment in my resonance that caused me to have such a disconnect from my body which by the way I felt like I had already healed I felt like I had already healed and so it was so discouraging to me to feel like I was back at this subtle war it wasn't anything like I grew up with but still a subtle war with my physicality with my body just not not wanting to be in it not feeling good feeling off feeling like out of sync with my body feeling massive amounts of shame and guilt come up because of it and knowing the whole time this is the this is the code humanity's transmuting right now something about because spirit has said over and over and over that the the energy the world needs is witness not judgment because witness allows us to heal witness allows needs that have not been met to be met so it, we don't give space for it because it's connected to an aspect of us that, that where the ego to win or to be right or to be on the right side of history or to be on the right team dissolves into a desire to witness, into a desire to truly see something we may have never seen before. This is that transmutive power that's happening and that's been happening. It's the medicine. All these medicine circles. There's so many medicine circles right now. So much medicine being distributed. That's one of the anomalies I've actually observed. And I have people in my reality that I've watched just go from being in completely locked into the matrix and the win game and the right game to going through a medicine journey and coming out on the other side and realigning, recalibrating with that horizontal relationship that comes from intimacy. It just sort of resets. And it doesn't have to be a literal medicine journey, although I think for most of us, because the wiring is so incredibly deep in our central nervous system, it has to be rewired. And I think in particular for people who've been psychically traumatized, it has to be rewired. And this is the space that I've been studying the, these, these last three years because this whole thing that has unfolded 
has made me have to look at myself and I'm sure for I'm sure for so many people in in ways that were really uncomfortable and particularly the the energy around psychic manipulation and and psychic distrust because that's what causes the hierarchy and it's it's even suspicion under that and that's something that um my colleague Claudia and I have we recently recorded a conversation that I'll also be dropping here on my podcast about this subtle suspicion that is it's sort of in the psychic realms and it's in 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 the lower realms in the I mean not that I like the word lower and higher I really am working on alchemicalizing that language because it feels so important to, to even get what to even understand the horizontal relationship with life it's less about better and more about like preference or less about high and low and again more about preference and lining up in a multi-dimensional way to preference to how things feel energetically holistically in the body and this is where empaths come in and I've circled I was moving around so much that I pulled my mic out <laughs> so I readjusted got some water I have my rose quartz with me if you guys have been watching my um subliminal videos that my new ones that I've been putting up I've recorded her a lot and I've done a few intuitive readings with her but she's around in a lot of these recordings um so yeah the heart rose quartz of course that of course it's like pause go into the heart I could feel myself getting super high in my mind as well um which I want to just go back to the code of the body and specifically the code of the empath and back to what I was originally saying about empaths having blockages in their body which is causing a stagnation of energy and that if we could understand that it is as simple as releasing completely releasing it's a surrender it's an allowing allowing the energy to just move without any judgment and I think we get stuck because the body is our most palpable connection to our physicality and it carries the pain the body has the record of the pain and so anywhere where we are making the past wrong or the pain wrong or the discomfort wrong or the um the feeling of smallness wrong or the vulnerability wrong or the embarrassment wrong, or the actual shame wrong. The, the second we make any of it wrong, we make the body wrong. And the body at that point can't really go through its natural process, which is to transmute energy. It starts blocking it and it's like circumventing it. I'm seeing it quite literally as the circuitry being shifted in it and it just kind of gets stagnant and staticky and can cause really like kind of lightning bolt types of things or electricity type of things glitches and and it's not wrong it's our body's message to us like hey wait a minute that you and the deeper message is if it doesn't feel good you we can pause and readjust to a different type of resonance and, and when we remember that it's about preference, especially when it comes to the body, the physical body and healing, we have to make the body a priority in a way we never, ever have. Listening to every little teeny tiny signal about the body, becoming so integrated in our body because we know that our body is our temple. And, and I don't even mean that from a religious perspective, but truly from this is our sovereign, like our creative urge has authority here. It's the only place we have true free will is in how we pivot with our urge, what we choose, what we move forward. And that's that part of our mind. And there's this connection between the mind and the body that I believe has been severed in psychic trauma. The more we've sacrificed Every time we've sacrificed, it's like we've sacrificed another aspect of our humanity and then sacrificed another aspect of our humanity until all of a sudden our humanity is unrecognizable to us. And in order to get back in touch with our humanity, we have to get back in touch with our multidimensional body 
which, which means we become aware of how our thoughts feel. Because when, we, when we're in that vibration of I'm not enough, there's not enough, earn, I have to earn it, and I owe, that's the fundamental message of the lack matrix. When we're in that particular formula, the way we navigate our creative energy is entirely different than when we're in the formula of I'm enough, you're enough, we're enough, there's enough. We have an infinite amount of resources and an infinite amount of ways that we could do this. And if we know that a true win is a win-win-win, win for the body, win for the mind, win for the heart, win for self, win for others, win for the planet, if it's not a win-win-win, it's not a win. And that's the kind of principles, it's starting to enact a principle that we live by that protects our bodies. Because we get, we sink our mind and our body with that principle. And it's where we learn about what we truly believe. And so this stagnation that I've been feeling, I was making it wrong. Like I kept feeling all years, the last year I got, I was, I'm thankfully feeling better now, but really sicker than I have been in a really long time. And just purely with just stagnant energy and feeling very psychically swirly not being able to ground the energy in my body and just feeling it actually manifest as digestive issues one way or another just always feeling discomfort in the digestive system and I know that this is huge I couldn't even believe when I researched it how much I found about people going through this and also these I was noticing common psychic themes which that's a whole nother episode but this is essentially what I've been talking about in all my last things that I've done. I've done two YouTube videos on this and another um, podcast, two, actually two more podcasts, one I haven't released yet, and a subliminal all around this topic. Everything I've learned about the solar plexus in relation to the psychic field, in relation to our preference, which is directly connected to our creative urge. And that reestablishing that intimacy with our creative urge is the way that we reestablish intimacy with each other and the planet. And intimacy is what's needed. So we have to think differently than the paradigm of who, who wins and who loses. Who gets to be the victors in history and who gets to be the bad guys. That's such an immature way of, of viewing our arc. Because this, the renaissance is sparked through the individuals that enact these principles. That's how the Renaissance is sparked. That's the new wave of art. And then, and that's the new wave of the, te- of the teacher. It's the poet. And it's the artist. And it's the empath. And everything sort of lines up to let that shine because it's the deepest asking of humanity, of the planet, and of each other. We're asking for more witness and less judgment. We're asking for a deeper integrated understanding of our deeper story, of our arc. And we're the ones writing it. So really think, look, like, how do we want to write this story? How do we want our story to be told? We are the ones writing it. We've never been in a time like this before. And I think that's why I created the Turtle Magic Workshop. Because it was, for me, it was about slowing down completely. I created it right in the middle of doing a beta test of another class, my lit course, which is all about pivoting towards your preference, learning how to even turn, get to your creative urge, which is by finding your preference. And the whole P all the pieces that get unlocked when we begin to tune into what our psychic urge is, because we have a creative urge of the mind there's a part of us that it that does truly want to write the arc of our story. And it's the spirit of our humanity. And it's the spirit of the restored heart. And it's, it's what comes as a result of investing our wisdom from what we've learned from experience. This is that pearl. I, I keep saying this is that pearl of great price. This is invaluable if we invest it. And to know what yours is, this is where you get initiated into your principles. 
This is where you get to actually learn what you truly believe and walk by what you truly believe is the, the path for you to walk. And the key component of that is the psychic release of anyone who does it different than you. Because the hypervigilant, I'm unsafe, there's not enough, I have to scheme and plot and ploy, or I'm not safe, that part of us has gotten so smart. I mean, just look how far AI has developed. It would be pretty easy that programmers at the deepest level, like it, it becomes an art. And it becomes, as soon as you understand multidimensionality and all the different layers that's involved in the art of programming, it changes the game entirely. And this is the this is the part of the equation in which we get initiated into our principles, and and we get initiated through the relationship with our own spirit. Like what what are my true authentic beliefs, and looking at them and allowing ourselves to feel what they feel like in the body. And for me, I realized that a huge psychic space I was allowing was for criticism. Like I, I created so much space for criticism the last couple years. And I also created a lot of space for witness. I kept vacillating between the two. And I learned what I, what I took away from it is when I'm in the spirit of criticism, I am hurting my emotional body and I am slowing down my physical body. I am quite literally at war with my humanity or with some part of my reality because I'm aware that my reality is not just me. And that's what a lot of us who are, I would say, the mystic archetype, the empath, the, the bridge archetype, that we're, we're, we're part of telling the arc of the story. And it's an initiation that is so personal. And it's where you get to discover your own personal intimacy with life and your own personal intimacy with creation and your own personal intimacy with your thoughts and the power that it gives you when you just give yourself permission to pivot from any thought that doesn't feel good without permission release the shadow contract because the minute we stay in a place a thought space that is painful um it's not just that it's painful, but when the thoughts feel like they are not for us, when they're coming from criticism, because true witness is not afraid to look at the dark. And that's what needs to be witnessed is the dark. So you, it's like the, the spirit of witness absolutely has zero fear about what it's going to see. There's no fear. And the difference, the subtle, subtle psychic difference between criticism or judgment and witness is felt in the body at such a molecular level that I think that's what causes us to break down and start self-destructing autoimmune disorders. There's something unintegrated about our psychic field. So we're at war with ourselves. So we're quite literally not trusting our humanity, not trusting our body, not trusting life, not trusting each other. There's a lack of intimacy. And that what, it, what is needed at the deepest level is not to control people so that they think like us, but to actually understand ourselves at a deeper level so we can truly witness what's going on and just create space for it. Just It's just that slowing down and creating space. I know there's a lot of background movements because I keep forgetting I'm just at the park and I'm moving around however I want. But I'm, I don't know what's being picked up. So again, ASMR experience. Do you see the code... And oh my gosh, it's, it's hard. It, it is hard. It was hard for me to look at some aspects of myself. I couldn't like the, the amount of judgment I was carrying in my body. And then I felt I had to tune in like, whoa, wh where is that coming from? Is it, do I really think that? Would I want to project this kind of criticism towards another? Would I feel, if I projected this towards another, would I feel good about it? It was such a like, whoa. And I think that's always the layer for the empath because there's this thing that a lot of us get praised for our whole lives. And I've been talking about it a lot, which is also part of this 
kind of self-destruct button is that we get praised for psychic accommodation. So we get praised for making space. We get validated for it. We get, and we, and it's a valuable thing. It's absolutely valuable and it should be valued, but we can easily get manipulated by it if we're not in sovereignty. And to learn that is to feel where we're the most vulnerable because of our experiences, especially I think there's this, this grid of empaths that have been deeply wounded and traumatized by sexual abuse, especially by physical abuse, by psychological abuse, by cult-like abuse. And it's a type of psychic trauma that not many people on the globe could even wrap their minds around understanding. And there's a very few compared to the population a very few amount of people that can truly witness those people. And the reason they can is because they have that level of darkness in them as well. They've been through it all the way. And that's why I keep saying when we move out of the idea of right, wrong, good, bad and move more into urge itself, what is the creative urge of life? that intimacy with life the thing that why we came here to begin with how we were urged into being what urged us into beingness that is a powerful source and there's something about realigning with that life force especially when we've been so stretched psychically because of psychological manipulation and abuse that these last three years for anybody who was raised with cult tactics, and this doesn't have to be religious, cult tactics are cult tactics. And lots of people, I would say globally, our whole system employs them. So in my mind, it's more about, it's not who's in a cult or who's been in a cult, but how psychologically abusive was their cult? Because everyone was in some sort of cult, some sort of elitist hierarchy system where we believed we had to sacrifice and earn it and we owed and we didn't have value innately and this really confusing way of using our sexual creative energy. It's psychic confusion. That's what it felt like to me in my body. Just like there was a part of me that, holy shit, I don't even know. Being back on the grid I grew up in right now where I live is right where I grew up. Like right, I'm, I'm passing the neighborhoods all the time. Weirdly, almost every single place we lived as kids has been like condemned or broken down. And all my siblings have been like, I think we haunt them. I think we've haunted them for years. We all dream about our, the houses we lived in. We all, and we've all had similar dreams about them. So anyway, my, I have a strong psychic connection to this grid and anyone who knows the psychic grid of Utah, especially Utah County, there's a powerful hive mind here. It's just wherever there's collectively, a lot of people believe the same thing. It doesn't matter what it is that they believe that creates sort of a hive mind mentality. And it's not that it's wrong, but it has a really powerful psychic influence, whether you're in it or not. And I was sort of always sort of dodging it. I was the only one of all my siblings that actually wasn't baptized Mormon or LDS. And so, but I was in it, you know, like, it's like, it's like I was, I was of it, but not in it. (laughs) So weird. But anyway, I, I'm literally sitting here, like I said, at the park and the mountains are surrounding me. And I'm so psychically connected to this grid in the sense that like looking at these mountains, I feel like I can directly go back to when I was 12 and like, because I remember I I would always sit on the ground like this with my shoes off or climb the tree. I was always in nature, always touching nature. And I loved staring at the mountains. And so this reminds me of one of the main points of this whole podcast with our solar plexus is being outside is a huge part of reestablishing intimacy with ourselves And so anywhere where we feel like we've had to hide or we feel shame or being out, being in the sun, being in nature, having our bare feet on the ground, if we can, if nobody's around at all and it's legal to be naked, just to feel that total connection to the grid. It's powerful magic because what I was about to say is that I feel like because I, my strongest memories as a kid 
is with nature. Like when I'm on grass, I played on grass all the time. I rolled on grass and I know grass is not sustainable. So I'm not like arguing for anything, but I just, as a kid, I would just loved grass. I loved having my bare feet in it. I loved climbing trees. I loved it. And so when I do it as an adult, I'm, I reawaken my, the, that it's like the same energy body I had as a kid. I can connect directly to that exact energy of touching the grass and being there and the trees and the smell as if I'm there in my body. And this is part of the resonance aspect of psychic preference that it's like we, I think there's something about the art of it. I was talking about sparking the Renaissance and it's allowing yourself to pivot towards your urge and your preference and your art and your craft and getting really good at your craft and, and, and allowing your craft to initiate you into your own principles. So you get to see what they are and you get to make your own promises or covenants or whatever belief agreements contracts whatever you call them your own creative contracts with your life with your life force with the life force that animates you because you actually have that sovereign right to do it however you exercise that you're going to learn from it and there's a lot to learn along the way that all of us have to learn I'm constantly amazed by it actually and one of the most recent things that I've unlocked about this grid is that when I was a kid even though I never felt really a part of the culture here I went to the I went to the church enough when I was little that I didn't feel totally ostracized from it and it was like the LDS church because my parents had left the polygamy cult by then and so my mom didn't care if we went to the LDS church. She didn't go, but she let us go. And so as a kid, I went several times and I had cousins that, that are Mormon and I would go to their baptisms and their stuff. So I didn't feel totally not a part of, like I was enough connected where I felt intimacy there. And I empathed my whole family's shame about feeling, because my older siblings went through the shame of being a polygamous family, which I didn't even put together until I was way older. So I didn't even know that was going on. And so, but my older siblings have like massive shame on the grid and this really powerful psychic shame around this, like Mormons, like LDS Mormons in particular. And then the grid itself has like the, like the, the, where I lived and where I grew up, where I live now is the most concentrated or it was the most concentrated um, LDS population in the state. And it's very, what was that? I, I totally even lost what I was about to say just now. I'm being so taken in because I'm, I think it's because I'm outside. Oh, and what I was going to say is what I've realized about this grid is that as I've reconnected to just the grid itself, the grass, the trees, the mountains. I go hiking all the time. And as a kid, we were always in the mountains. Reconnecting to all of that again and living here on the grid because I didn't want to come back. And I, I did because spirit. I made an agreement with spirit as long as cannabis was legal and as long as... I've said this story so many times, but I love that Utah opened it up. I was like, I don't want to live in a state where they make that illegal. I think that's ridiculous. So, and, and at the time it wasn't legal. And I said, I don't want to work for anybody. I don't want to have to go to anybody's job. I can't, I do. I said it just like this. I'm not going to kiss anybody's ass. I refuse. Cause I did. I, I felt like my whole life here, that was, it was all about, I didn't understand the context of what was actually going on, that it was this network of people. That's kind of like a club that actually has to do with like advancement and everything, because the more networked you are, the more you have, but it's also true intimacy and there's true communion and there's true connection. So a lot of that's very, very, very genuine. And so there's a lot of very genuine, there's a lot of very genuine, powerful, creative people here. And it, I, it's like, I don't even know why I wrote down an entire list of things to talk about, none of which I've got to. And this is simply because I'm outside, which is great. So nature's sort of involved in this one. Um, so The code here is that when we reconnect to the grid, literally in our bodies and feeling the connection to being here, 
not up high somewhere, or not always trying to escape to heaven, but that heaven is being created here on earth. And that the anomaly is to enact it in our bodies, in our relationship with life. What if we believed there was enough? Because pretty much everything the lack matrix offers us is a sacrifice. Because the basic premise is that there's not enough. And so we have to decide who's worthy to receive because something has to be sacrificed. That's the whole elitist hierarchy game. And I've said it over and over, but that is the vagina that... All the isms come from. It's the birth. It's the it's the matrix itself. It's the womb of it. <laughs> and there's something about understanding the codes and how they work. And without any judgment. So as I've been here, as I've been back in Utah, and I've been awakened to all this other stuff. Because when I grew up here, when I was a teenager, I went to the church my mom went to. She became a born-again Christian, and she took us to that church. And that would have been... Right at the time, I would have gotten baptized. It was eight when she started going there. And you get baptized at eight. And so I didn't get baptized there in the LDS church. We started going to the evangelical church. And I'm making this connection in the grid. And this is important. I want you to, like, listen to how I'm layering this. Because you have a psychic connection to your grid in ways you don't even know. Especially where you've imprinted the most with beliefs and the material world or beliefs in the body and the, or beliefs and other people. Everything that has to do with others. So for me, having to just reconnect to, I felt such a war between my whole life, between my like Mormon dad and my Christian, born again Christian mom and, and her family. And, and this, this deep, always this argument, this subtext of who's right and who's wrong and how they're justified and how God's right. And I remember my dad and my uncle screaming at the top of their lungs in each other's face about the other person being wrong about what they believed. And I, and I know my other siblings feel this way too. A lot of them do. We've talked about it before, how we all were just like, neither one of you exhibit what you preach. So, and they did in times, there was times that they did, but what for me personally, that all came later when they were older. As a kid, what I witnessed is what probably we all do when we're learning our, our shadow essentially is that we have other agendas than we realize and we mask it. We, we call it God. We think if we're right, this is the crux of that code that keeps us at a, in a war with our bodies. If we think we're right, if we have to be right in order to be justified to, to sacrifice someone or to do something that you would normally not do, but you have to because there's not enough, then being right is the most important thing. And if we get stuck in that game of having to be right, this is where our ego gets massive and it gets it can get us really psychologically trapped because we start using God and like beliefs and ideology to manipulate each other into like, you should do it my way or my way is the better way. Or I I should have more moral authority over you because if I'm right, I get to tell you what to do. It's weird. And it's, it's in all of us. It's in the system so deeply. And this is one of the things that's really uncomfortable to feel. And I think there's a lot of really uncomfortable feelings that have been coming up in the collective, especially in the last few years. And a lot of us are feeling them deeply, the deeper conversations, the shit that nobody talks about, but we all know is going on that stuff and the feet, like all the uncomfortable stuff. And to be able to just witness, to allow ourselves to witness. And that's the biggest thing I've learned is that when I'm in the spirit of criticism, I feel completely justified. And I can, I feel like I can back up my most harsh criticisms. And the deepest thing I've learned is that my language was very warlike and very combative and very um, defensive. And it's because of how I grew up with just in my reality. I always, we, all of my siblings, we always felt like we had to defend what we, what we believed or thought or 
wanted to do or it just I felt like there was always some sort of defensive thing going on and because there was this subtle war this subtle psychological war over whose God is the right God or who gets to have authority over who so for me because I grew up with that and I was here in this grid when that was going on now fast forward to all the stuff that's happened in the last few years and to me it feels like the exact same energy almost like it's the way spirit can put us in situations that help heal us because going back to my time travel thing it's like I can directly connect to that time and it was when I was most alive in my body so it's where you usually when we're most alive in our body is where we get the strongest imprinting of the things that cause us to believe whatever we believe and there's something about the energy that we're transmuting has to do with this really uncomfortable zone. It's it's comfortable to be like, I'm right, and I feel just by being right, and I'm going to spend all my creative energy proving how I'm right. And it's much more uncomfortable to be like, I don't know, or I I actually feel right here, and I or I feel justified here, but here, I'm not sure. Like, Maybe I, maybe I do need to adjust something or maybe like there's something that feels unfair to me. That's a lot that's come up to me is like, I, I don't, I can't even put words to it. It's just that I'm like, there's something going on that I don't want to agree to. And until I see it more clearly, I'm not going to get in, like, I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to get involved in this. And then that's developed more and more to, okay, what is my psychic preference? Like what creatively do I want? Because the more I just observe what's going on, it's like, Psychically, I got very hypervigilant and critical and like, okay, what's right? What's wrong? What's good? What's bad? And I didn't realize, but I was tapping back into the grid I grew up in, this deep fear that I empath from all my siblings. I mean, in my parents' church, there was actual murders going on. And over who's the one brother thinking God was, he was the prophet and God said the other guy was the prophet. And to me, like I was removed from this, but I empathed it all. And I've, and I've empathed my siblings and I didn't know that I was impacting their trauma. And this is what empaths do. And what I'm trying to say on this larger scale, for those of you who've been having any issues go on with your solar plexus, is one, it's deeply personal, which is why I'm talking about deeply personal stuff. And yet I know this is universal. I just know these codes. I know there's so many of us going through this. I know because I've talked to many of you. These are powerful codes, and I think that, at least for me, it's a, it's a space of sanctuary and, and also really deep discernment and privacy, and we're allowed to have that as we go through this initiation with our own beliefs and our own principles. Because what we don't realize is that the more dedicated we are to having to be right or having to be good so that we can be justified the more willing we are to sacrifice and the more willing we are to manipulate and the more willing we are to just sort of bypass our shadow to not really look at it because our agenda is being right. That changes everything. Why do we have to be right? And that's actually what I wanted to title this whole podcast is, I mean, I hadn't settled on a title yet, but I was thinking something like stop needing to be right or stop being good. Well, that's not the point. It's not about being right or about being good. It's about being in alignment with what you truly believe. And that alignment has a specific resonance. And you'll know it when you hit it. And you'll know when you're not hitting it. And the art is learning how to pivot towards that. And I think that's what Abraham Hicks has been teaching this whole time. And for me, just realizing that I can completely feel every emotion under the sun. I can feel the depths of despair. And I can feel the, the peaks of bliss. And what do I actually want to feel in this moment in this body? Because this, I'm going to include this body into the equation of what I, what I focus on and therefore allow to move through me. And this is where we become discerning. This is to me how you like discern the spirits is how does it, it, for me, I've been learning what voice is for me and what voice is against me. What voice is the accuser or accusatory because that's the voice of criticism. And it's not that it's wrong because you could make the case that all of us deserve like, yeah, blow it up. (laughs) 
blow her up. You know what I mean? Like you could, we could probably make the case. And that's why the more of us that try to make the case, it's like, well, yeah, you can make the case. It's, it's, it's whether or not you're willing to sacrifice your humanity, whether you're not, whether or not we're, we're willing to be creative and actually create something outside of the dystopic reality we've been programmed with. Because to me, I've said this before, but it feels creatively lazy to just continue to, it feels like almost like psychic masturbation on these dystopic realities where we all fuck each other up, you know? And it's like, well, we've done it so many times though. When are we going to like realize that we're creating, we're deciding what we're going to become moment to moment. And it's not about controlling someone else to do what we want. It's about controlling our own energy and, and deeper than that, having an a relationship with the life force within us, having a relationship with our body, having a relationship with our mind, having a relationship with our heart and the life force that animates it and, and getting to know the self as an important aspect of everything else and also getting to know the other and also getting to know the cosmos, the earth multidimensionally and this is the this is the feeling part this is the connecting to earth part this is why I had to be sitting on the ground bare feet with my hands on the ground like touching earth staring at this gorgeous mountain in front of me so this yeah I feel like I've talked enough I feel like I've made the point and I don't know if I didn't wrap up a few I think the main thing I'm wrapping up just in this moment because I was realizing as I was recording this of how connected I am to the grid of when I was 12 and ironically my partner has a child who's almost 12 and she's been living with us like I've been in that that I've she's giving me direct access there's all this direct access and I'm wondering too if collectively if you have been having digestive issues if there is a window around age 12, 13, 14, that's such a pivotal time. It's when we do, it's an, it is an arc of our story, especially psychically for women, for girls or for the feminine energy. It's a very, it's a very, it's a vulnerable time and it, it requires a lot of witness. And I think a lot of us learned what it felt like to not be witnessed in some of the most vulnerable places. And this is where the art of the, the feminine, the art of the, the womb healing, the art, just the art of weaving together, weaving our resonance and communion, that has been lost. We haven't, it's not been entirely lost, but we've not been, most of us anyway, a lot of us anyway, haven't been in connection with that. And and the, the, the people who have preserved those traditions that how to really hone the energy of allowing and receiving the feminine side this this is an important thing to make space for so if you're someone who holds that make it so valuable in your reality know how valuable it is and if you're someone who is urging to activate it or who, who needs to expand horizontally. It's like, and this, this is regardless of your gender, but allow yourself if, if you're feeling this way to expand more into that receiving energy where you need to receive because it's different for everybody where we need to receive is where we've historically sacrificed and where we've historically sacrificed. There's been historic shame and guilt and fear And so those are the energies we transmute as we step out of judgment and go into witness. And then we're, we're in the heart, we're in the heart of God. And we see things completely different through a completely different set of eyes than we would if, if we were just looking at it through our human perspective and who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, who deserves to be punished and who deserves to be exalted. We take that all into our hands from from a space in where we're not looking through the heart and that's the dangerous zone that's the danger zone and that's where where I believe we have an opportunity to arc the story because it's an individual process this isn't about you don't have to get a lot of signatures and and convince people to do this in order for it to be valid or valuable it's valid and valuable because you invest in it regardless that's the strongest vote you can have is investing in the action 
of your principles and the integration of your principles multidimensionally so that you're truly asking, you're including how it feels into the equation. You're including the vulnerability of the body into the equation and you're shifting that relationship from being at war with the body and therefore putting it in this elitist hierarchy system where it has to prove to you that it's worthy of love or being in a more horizontal relationship with your body where you're exploring your body. You're getting to know who you are. You're getting to know what it feels like to have a relationship with your body, your thoughts and your body, how they work together. Because I think the mind of lack tries to control the body. It tries to make us be something because it so desperately needs us to be enough. And, and when we're in the heart, in the restored heart, and coming from the, the, the eye of witness, we're coming from an innate belief that we are enough. We are valuable. There is enough. You are enough. That's innate. And even if we don't believe it because we haven't experienced it, to invest in those principles, if those principles are truly what you urge for, is to vote for it anyway. Be it anyway. Even if you don't believe the world has it, is capable of it, why don't you be capable of it? Why don't I be capable of it? I would say for me, this breakdown in understanding what was going on in my solar plexus at the deepest level was where I was at war with myself, where I was at war with my story, where I was at war with my grid where I was at war with hypocrisy, where I was at war with my own hypocrisy, where I just, where I was at war because there was this hypervigilant, traumatized, in other words, unintegrated aspect of me that needed to be right and good and was hypervigilantly almost creating villains because I needed to be right in order to be, in order to feel safe. And, and it wasn't all of me and it's not all of you, but there's that part has been in charge of our fight or flight for a long time. And so I want to end on this note with the body as well, is that including the body means also moving the patterns of trauma out of it. So doing movements and restorative poses and breath work and somatic work and tapping and anything that includes the body, this can also include plant medicine. And definitely work with a a qualified shaman if you go down that path. And obviously listen to your instincts because there's so many different, you know, circumstances. And I know people say there's a lot of frauds out there. So obviously use your discernment. But what I mean is someone who it is sacred to and who's been through the sacred journeys and who know it intimately. So, um, yeah, the body, the body is essential in opening up our solar plexus and the energy here think about how it's shame that blocks the solar plexus the energy of shame and so this is where that that feminine side of the surrender comes in because it's having to just release the shame and to release the shame is truly where we're most vulnerable where we're most powerful And where we're most exquisite. And this is what we are recalibrating with. Is the honor. The sacredness of our being. And allowing your body to matter. Not just how it looks. Or how it should look. Or how it should feel. Or being within some sort of numbers or whatever that I think the essence of it is learning to reintegrate your thoughts with your body having thoughts that are supportive of the body having allowing space for the body to communicate to you not making what the body tells you wrong or right because that's not the point it's integration it's intimacy it's re-establishing trust with life with the life force within us and this is that reconnecting to that creativity that urged us into being (laughs) so I guess this is cool because for my main points that I was going to do right before I started this I thought this would be more perfect for my YouTube because I'm I'm doing these digital medicine topics and I'm posting them on my podcast 
and on my YouTube channel and then snippets on Instagram. And I'm sure this is going to evolve and change because I'm just experimenting here. But um, I had five main points and five keeps coming through. The last two videos I've done was like the five psychic, five psychic anomalies you can enact. Um, the other one was five energies that we empath easily online. And this next one, this is what this podcast was going to be, but it actually wanted to be a YouTube video, was five ways that having to be good or right entrap us. I might change the title to that, but that's essentially what it is. That's what I was going to go through, but that'll be for the YouTube part of the digital medicine. And this is perfect for the podcast because the podcast is really meant to go into the nuances of this. And by the way, for those of you who've listened from the beginning, I started out having primarily conversations and then it's just been me talking for a while. And it's because this space that I've been in, which is this cocoon space, I needed to have so much communion with my own thoughts. And also because divine timing, I have a lot of conversations actually that I've already recorded, but divine timing is just moving them to the exact right placement because they're they were, they were sort of had outside of time and I'm realizing like all of them have their unique placement. So I'm just allowing that to unfold as it unfolds. Um, but I do have a lot more coming for you and yeah, check out my YouTube channel and subscribe if you want to and hit the notification bell because apparently that's the only way you're actually going to see anything. That's what I've been told anyway. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I would love to hear any thoughts you had about this because this was pretty I kind of can't wait to re-listen to it because hopefully I don't just sound insane because for me just being here I'm like I've never I've never put it together as much as I have in this moment so thank you for listening to my meandering thoughts as I figured it out all right I hope you guys are doing well much love 